KMTT, Kimitzion Teitzei Torah, you're listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parashat Acharimot Kedoshim, Zayin Yar, and I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. The Erev Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel. So, here we are, uh, post-Yom Ha'atzma'ut, and we face a parsha or two, that uh, the idea of being in Eretz Yisrael and the responsibility of being Eretz Yisrael is put into the forefront. The behavior of the nations that live in Eretz Canaan in, in Parshat Achremot are put into the forefront. And like the, the actions of the land of Canaan that I am bringing you to there, you should not do, and in their ways you shall not go. And then these ways are then brought into implied in the next psukim which to discuss the uh, adulterous relationships that are prohibited, the implication is that this is what uh, the people in Egypt and the people of Canaan were partaking in. Interrelations with relatives, with, and, and the list is extensive here, your father's wife, your sister, children, grandchildren, Uncles, aunts, the whole works here. Daughters in law, sisters in law, <coughs> and so on and so forth, as well as a regular married woman. All this is described here, and this is prohibited for us to do. But the Torah goes on and says, You should not. You should not defile yourselves yourselves with all of this because the the nations that were living here defiled themselves with them and I'm sending them away from the country the land was defiled and I brought the sin upon them I am counting the sin and the land threw out or threw up its inhabitants and then here is the challenge. And you should keep these laws and commandments and you should not do these abominations. Because all these abominations were done by the, the inhabitants of the land before you and the land was defiled. Here's an interesting pasuk. This is the way I always understood the pasuk. And the land should not throw you up when you defile it. If you if you defile it, like it threw up and threw out the nation that was before you. The implication being, the land should not throw you up, because you should not defile it. Because 
anybody who partakes in these abominations will be cut off, the, their, their souls will be cut off from their nation. Okay. Here what we're discussing, as, as I said, is the responsibility. Eretz Yisrael is not fun in games. It, it has high moral demands of us. Different than other lands. In other lands, um, uh, God does not uh, condone or allow sinning, and certainly not sinning of this nature. These are sins that are not special for the Jewish people specifically. These are sins that are, that are these adulterous relations, the insensual relations are prohibited for non-Jews as well. And yet Eretz Yisrael is more sensitive and it will chuck, throw out, throw up the inhabitants of the land that are sitting in this way. And this is demanding of us as well that we cannot act in this way. And if we act in this way, we too will be thrown out of the land. Eretz Yisrael thus, therefore, is a responsibility it is not merely a promise, it is a responsibility. And then I say, Ha'omnam, is this really true? And I want to suggest an, an alternative read to the Pasuk. I say this is an alternative read. I, I haven't even managed to see if there's a different opinion out there, but I, I want to test the waters here and be patient with me and we'll see where this takes us to. These abominations were done by the, the inhabitants of the land before you, and the land was defiled, and they were kicked out, as it said, as it says, or they will be kicked out um, when when the Jewish people come into Eretz Canaan in the time of Yoshua. Here's the alternative read, and the land will not throw you up or throw you out when you defile the land, as it threw out the nation before you. Why not? Should. Anybody who does all these abominations, they will be cut off individually from their nation. In other words... Instead of doing a collective punishment, there will be a more selective punishment, a surgical punishment. Anybody who's involved in the abominations, they will be cut off, they will be dealt with. But somehow, the land will hold the people of Israel in it, despite the sinful nature of some of the inhabitants something that we can ponder within our state of living in Israel now for 60 years as a nation over 60 years yet yeah, no one will be able to point out the, the clean and unsoiled nature of the Jewish people for whatever reason when we take the most optimistic approach of people who are uneducated and don't know better or in halachic terms tinokot ishbu babies who were taken into captivity, they had no way of knowing better. We live in, or there's Chilul Shabbat. Is there adultery on a different level than there is around the world? Maybe not as severe as what is described here in the Parsha. Perhaps in that sense we are better. But we're still here. 
Now, let's not delude ourselves. Clearly there is a concept of galut, and we've experienced it. The Jewish people have been thrown out of the country, not once, not twice even. There's galut in the time of Bai Cheni, and there's also galut in the time of Bar Kochva. It's not a simple, it's not a simple issue at all. And our hold on the land is not guaranteed. Yet, what is here guaranteed? And is there any sense to what I'm suggesting here in the Pasuk? Let's just go on a little bit into next week, into the next parsha in Kedoshim. Vani attenet panai ba'ishahu. Here it's talking about giving of your children to Molech, which is one of the things described in Parshat Achrimot as one of the abominations that the inhabitants of the land before the Jewish people partook in. And it says, "Vani attenet panai ba'ishahu ve'ichrati atom mikerva mo'akim mizeron atan la'molech laman tamed mikdashu chelot shem kochi." I will face this individual who is given of his children to the molech, and I will cut him off from the people, from his nation. And here Rashi says, "The individual is cut off, but the nation as a whole is not cut off." Okay. Why should that be so? Okay, if an individual by himself is sinning, then then fine. But if there's a collective element here, as what is presumably described of what was going on in Canaan and in Eretz Mitzrayim, why should not the entire nation be cut off? We move towards the end of the parsha. We see a pasuk, which we're as soon as we get into the Haftarah, going to be contrasted very harshly. Vitem li kedoshim, you should be holy for me, ki kadosh ani Hashem, for I am holy. Vavdil etchem minha amim liotli, and I have separated you out from the nations to be mine. The Jewish people are separate from the other nations. How are they separate? Are they separated by their actions? Are they separated and therefore they're demanded a higher level of morality or of just of, of, of numbers of commandments? How are the Jewish people separated? Why is this relevant to the demand on them? I said, the Jewish people are separated, and now let's go into the Haftarah, because here it really gets out of control. Hopefully, after all this, we'll try to make sense of everything we're saying. Halo kivnei kushiim atem li, b'nei Yisrael neum Hashem. Halo at Yisrael he'aleti me'eretz Mitzrayim, uflishti mikafto avara mikir. God turns to the Jewish people and says, you are like the Kushim. A nation in, in Africa, Kush, perhaps Ethiopia today. If we wanted to read it in extreme, you are like the black people to me. Hello at Yisrael, It's true, I took the Jewish people, Yisrael, out of Mitzrayim, but I took the Plishti'im out of Kaftor, and I took the, the nation of Aram from Kir. So you're like everybody else. In stark contrast to the end of the parsha that we read, the haftarah, the the, the, the parsha ends. I have separated you out from the nations to be mine, and the haftarah begins. You're just like all the other nations. You're like Kush. You're like the Plishtim. You're like Aram. We go out in the haftarah, very short haftarah. The eyes of God are on 
the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. However, I will not destroy the house of Jacob. Now, why won't God destroy the house of Jacob? If the house of Jacob is a sinful kingdom, then God says he's destroying the sinful kingdom. And so that should include Beit Yaakov as well. And if God, and if Beit Yaakov is not deserving of this, then why does this need to be said? I am going to punish all the students that talk out in class. But I won't, uh, I, I will not uh, th- punish Steve here, because Steve wasn't talking. Well, that's unnecessary to say. You said you're going to punish the people who were talking. The people who aren't talking don't need to be punished. And if you're not throwing out Steve and he is talking, then, then Steve is different. So how does this work out with the previous pasuk? The previous pasuk, the Haftarah began that the Jewish nation and the Israelite nation is like all the other nations of the world. And yet God is willing to destroy, destroy the sinful kingdom, but not Beit Yaakov. And again, I pose the question, is Beit Yaakov sinful as well, and nonetheless will not be destroyed? If that's true, then they are different than the other nations. Or, is Beit Yaakov just not a sinful nation, a sinful kingdom? And if that's the case, why does God need to say He won't destroy them? Of course He won't destroy them. God is only planning on destroying a sinful kingdom. And God goes on here to make more more judgment. By sword shall they die, all the sinners of my people. There is a judgment for the Jewish people, for the sinners of the Jewish people. They will die by the sword. But the sinners, not the nation, but the sinners will die. Here again, this reminds us of what we saw in Rashi and Parshat Kedoshim and the suggested reading that we had for the Psukim at the end of Achrimot. That there's some sort of surgical dealing with the Jewish people. Beit Yaakov will not be destroyed, but the sinners of my nation will be destroyed, it will be killed by the sword. And then God goes on here to inundate us with, inundate us with promises. I will establish and I will lift up the fallen sukkah of David. I will... They will inherit the remnant of Edom and the other nations. And God promises us, us in, the, in the upcoming Psukim much fruit and, 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 uh, and much food. And I will return the remnant of the Jewish people. I, they will build destroyed cities and they will inhabit them. They will plant vineyards and they will drink the wine. They will plant orchards and eat their fruit. Untatim al admatam, and I will, I will, 
plant them on their on their land. And they will not abandon and be and they will not leave their land that I've given them anymore. So says God. What is God's dealing with the Jewish people here? If the Jewish people are a nation that is giving pre- preferential treatment, then we can make promises to them despite their behavior. But the outset here is that God is saying that they are like all the other nations of the world. And similarly, what what is Vavdilat Chemin Hamim Liotli? How are the Jewish people different? How do we deal with all these conflicts here? Are the Jewish people different? God says, seemingly not. You are like the Kushite people to me. God promises a, a swift hand dealing with sinful nations and destruction for those nations. And God has destroyed nations over the history of the world. And yet... He won't destroy the Jewish people in the same breath. He will destroy the sinners amongst the Jewish people, but not destroy the Jewish people. God tells us in Parshat Achrimot that the land will not suffer sinners, and the land will chuck out the the sinful people. And yet God promises us at the end of Sefer Amos, at the end of the Haftarah, that never again will the Jewish people be forced to leave their land. Why? If they sin, they should be forced to leave their land. And if they're not sinful, they don't need such a promise. Because the land only throws out the sinful people, sinful nations. The only answer that I can on a, again, on a a priori level, on a theoretical level, without giving proof to what I'm suggesting, is that there has to be some understanding of potential here. There has to be an understanding when we face two people, as a, let's say, as a teacher or as a school principal, one with a history of only doing bad, and another one with an ability to be a leader at times, to take charge, to contribute positively. Both of them do a terrible action in the school, something that warrants being thrown out of the school. And one is thrown out and one is not. How can this be? They both partook in the action. And the only answer we could give is that the principal recognizes the potential of one of the students. He's not willing to give up on the student. One of the students, he sees always going to bad, to bad, never leading in a good direction. And he's, you know, he's uh, given enough chances and time is to give up now. The other one, though, he says, yeah, he's been naughty and he's been in trouble in the past as well and here as well. And yet, there is potential here. There's, there's leadership qualities, there are good qualities that need to still be developed. This person shouldn't be thrown out yet. There's a chance for correction. And this has to be said about the Jewish people as well. 
God's ability to destroy other nations and be demanding of the Jewish people. Yes, God is demanding of the Jewish people. And they will not run away from justice. But there are ways of doing justice and there are ways of doing justice. There are ways of doing justice which give no hope of correction ever in the future, utter destruction. There are ways of doing justice in which it's difficult. Some of the people in the nation have to be wiped out. Some of them are not. Because the Jewish people cannot be destroyed. Their potential as a nation is constant and a fixture. They deserve and need to survive because they can always do good. And at the same time, they are no different than the other nations of the world. They will have to face judgment if they have to face judgment. Is there a complete answer here? I think not. But I think there's food for thought, specifically within the Haftar, within these parshiot. How to balance the fact that God demands of us, He puts judgment on us when we are out of line. And at the same time, we are different than the other nations. And at the same time, you are like the Kushite nation. God inflicts destruction, but He won't destroy the Jewish people, but He will destroy the sinners of the Jewish people. All of these somehow have to be balanced together. I gave a slight suggestion in the, in the direction of potential, but for the most part, I want us all to think about this, what this means about our existence as a Jewish people here, with the majority of the people, the Jewish people in the country not being Shomrei Torah Mitzvot, what that means as far as our responsibility and our Do we have a questionable status as to whether we will be able to hold on to the land of Israel in the present state? And how does that fit? How do we how do we relate to that vis-à-vis the promises, the promise of in in Sefer Amos? They will not be taken away from their land ever again. Does that apply to us? Think about it. Reading the parsha. Think about it. Reading the Aftarah. Think about it when thinking about Yom Atzmaut. 61 years after Israel's independence, and what the future demands of us, and what the future bodes for us. Shabbat Shalom.